0: welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Sam Roberts and I'm joined by
1: Phil Savage. Tom Senior.
0: Forgot to do job titles, but I assume most people listening at this point know what we do, um, <laughs> so there's no need to introduce people by their seniority. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you can tell it's been a little while since I've done this. And uh, yes, I should always point out at the start of these podcasts that it's been a while since the last one. Um, but I'm doing one now because, should I explain the reason I suppose? Might I, mean, as well. I guess, yeah. Yes, because I'm, uh, I'm leaving. This is going to be my second to last podcast. I vow to do another one. <laughs> uh, and this kind of b- binds me into making sure that I do that second
2: Yeah, time. we've never announced before that we're going to do a
1: podcast soon in the future <laughs> and then not delivered. You're going to have to actually uh, physically drop the mic in, your, in the final episode, I think. I'm prepared to do now. that.
0: I'm prepared to do that. Because really I've got
1: to
2: edit this and it's going, to, it's going to be an audio nightmare for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true, yeah. Um, and yeah, so basically we're doing this one then we're going to do a... Um, this one's going to be a more conventional, we'll talk about the games we've been playing one, and then we're going to do our annual, <coughs> if I say that. I mean, I think we did keep to this, the annual schedule. We've this. done
2: three of them, yeah. Yeah,
0: top 100 uh, kind of commentary. Um, the new issue for that ship's <coughs> next Thursday film. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so who knows what date that is in relation to you, the listener? Oh wait, it's twenty fifth, isn't it? Twenty fifth.
2: Yes, sure. Twenty yes. fifth mm.
0: uh, of July, so you can go and get that issue. It's uh, it's presented in a supplement again on the UK edition, like last year. Yep. In the U- US magazine, you'll see it uh, inside the magazine. That'll be out a little little bit later.
2: It's in all digital editions as well. That's if good. you've got an iPad,
0: I noticed an error in it as well. really the other day, um, oh. it was from my like one of my bulk out the um, <laughs> the things one. It's not really an error, so. At the end of my Civ 6 one, I talk about um, these different elements that have been added to the game in Gathering Storm, but mm-hmm. like one of them was added in Rise and Fall, so I really should have noted both expansions instead of just the one.
2: Oh, I, I've proved that. Oh, you fixed it? Yeah, I fixed that.
0: Fuck! <laughs> it's so good, Phil. It's, it's so good. <laughs> Thanks for doing that. I noticed afterwards, I was like, oh, God, I think I'm such a noob. And it's like, uh, yeah,
2: anyway. It's, I mean, no one would have ever noticed. Cause... Well,
0: that's good. Now it's been brought up on a podcast. Um, so let's talk about some computer games. Um uh let's think then e3 me and you went to that bill god yeah it's exhausting mm. it took me like two weeks to recover from it this year um and that's why i'm leaving now. not really um yeah we uh, <laughs> having
2: to get up at 6 a.m for the pc gaming show was the final straw for you
0: that was pretty tough but it was more that like there was like a sunday where it started with a ubisoft thing and like and that was at 8 15 i think i was like why did it, why are these things starting so early um but it was worth it because I got to play Watchdogs Legion Segway, um, nice. which I will talk about on this podcast because it was one of the only real notable, like big, exciting things that E3 that was actually playable. That
2: you could actually year. play, yeah. Mm-hmm. There was I a, saw a lot of cool stuff, but yeah, hands on with very little.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I would say that like in some game, some case I understand Cyberpunk is still quite far away um, for for what they're presenting. Mm. Um, but Outer Worlds, I thought. They had no real excuse not to be demoing, that hands-on. I say no real excuse. I know nothing about how these <laughs> things are done. Um, they definitely have excuses, but I'm sure what they showed—they just showed on Jeff Keely's um, Coliseum thing. So I didn't even end up writing about it. And I was like, ah, well, you know, it seems like you could have just—you could have brought the game to make it uh, justify the journey around the world a little bit more. But you know, that's me being an entitled journalist scumbag. Um, so yes, I'll instead talk about Watchdogs Legion, which I, I did play. Um, I met the creative director, Clint Hocking, Mm. of uh, Far Cry 2 fame and Splinter Cell, uh, kind of creator, director guy. Uh, That was was really interesting, as most people know by now. You can play as any NPC in the world, thereby making them a PC. Um, So we haven't worked out the terminology (laughs) of that yet. Um, and uh, it's it's the a game tweeted us
2: th- game developers.
0: <laughs> it's a game that Phil has aggressively dubbed Granny Theft Auto. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I would say not so much aggressively as reluctantly. Um, yeah, look out for that cover line, but <laughs> I still, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure it was a good idea.
0: Yeah, we'll see how that goes down. It was uh, it was it, it was fun though. But it means basically, that you can play as any character in this open world London set in a post Brexit. Uh, I guess like dystopia. It kind of it's represented by the fact that there's LEDs on everything and mm. lots of private security forces going around. That's the future. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously it's part of the old Ubisoft is this political kind of conversations again, which are as tiring to read the answers to as they are to see people discussing. Um, but it's a very interesting sort of uh scenario for a watchdogs game. Uh you can do all the watchdog stuff in it like hacking and making a car move forward and etc etc but Mm. there is this you know sort of systemic layer of uh, all these NPCs being simulated and the different things you can do to affect their lives and and the kind of snowball effect from that so the example I gave in my preview was um, this NPC guard I uh, choked him out or tased him I can't remember now because it was a month ago um, in uh, Camden Market and then um, I could go to his hospital and shut off his life support or I could help him with his, like, uh, I could prioritise his healthcare. Mm. And um, obviously one would kill him and remove him from the world entirely, um, but the other one would uh, uh, would put him on the path to becoming a dead sex supporter. So the idea is that you could eventually, um, after doing these sort of, like, quests, uh, I guess, um, these kind of, like, sub-quests, you can make this guy become a dead sex supporter. Some NPCs will be harder than others to, mm. to convert. They'll have, like, a bar denoting... Their sort of like uh, hostility or favorability towards DeadSec, and yeah, and the idea is you build up this little army of NPCs
2: on a broad scale. How do you know, like, to what extent this actually works? Because usually, like, NPCs they'll you know they'll just be completely random and spawned in the moment and never seen again. Are they like persistent in Watchdogs? Are they like simulated? In
0: I believe they're persistent. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so the I- because the idea is that this, uh, I mean, like. I, I don't know the exact specifics of how this works, mm. but each one they're based on a sort of pool of twenty personas, which will include different voice actors and stuff. So when they appear in cutscenes, you'll hear t- up to twenty different voice actors, and then they'll look different and stuff. But um, so I don't know about like say you, you basically track you can track an NPC, mm. and that uh, will uh, tell you what they're up to. You can see who their relatives are, that sort of thing. Right. I wonder if at that point you kind of pluck them out of an endless sea of uh, of NPCs, and then
2: yeah, they, I guess that would make sense. Yeah,
0: I, th- that is how I would guess it works. Mm. I know, n- I know nothing about how that works, to be honest. But, um, it's certainly in this, they showed how you track this uh guard who you choke out, and then what happens to him and his relatives, and like the different things he needs help with, like can you help his sister with X, that sort of thing. Um, how well it works overall, I'm kind of, I have no idea, mm. but certainly that element of things coupled to permadeath um potentially will make for a really interesting open world game where your playable character could be someone you you know you have 20 hours of sort of fun times with in dead second and then they're just shot dead and you need to and you you're suddenly playing as someone who uh, I don't know yeah like someone's grandma or, or whatever like someone who's 60 and can barely kind of climb over stuff uh, or me now that would be uh, <laughs> But um yeah 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 it's it, it's it's certainly interesting the way the different characters move and act and stuff and London looks really nice um and yeah I was I was sufficiently impressed that thing he showed me the thing the developer showed me with what happened to my npc guard guy that was like not part of the presentation he just showed it me at the end of the demo but it ended mm. up being the thing I was most impressed by mm. cuz even though it's not like you go into the hospital and you see him in bed and all this stuff and it's like a soap opera or whatever Mm. you go to this panel outside the hospital and then hack it from there right like what you what you see or don't see I have no idea actually but you kind of you buy into it enough Mm. you know that it's him who's there and you know you'll see him again and he'll look the same and he'll be that character and Mm. you see him as someone who exists in that world that's fundamentally why that system's there isn't it to make you believe in the idea of these people existing in this world um and I think it's doing enough
1: hmm. to, it, to make that work. It's um, like I don't think it's impossible. It sounds kind of impossible when they first describe it, but if you think about how XCOM works, for example, if that randomly generates soldiers that, that, are, that are persistent and also have permadeath hmm. uh, and if you think of Metal Gear Solid Five, obviously it's a bit less involved in MGS Five because I- in that game you attach a balloon to a man and then you own him <laughs> forever. <laughs> Whereas in this, at least you have to kind of do some like quest stuff that humanizes them a little bit more.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. And how how in depth or specifically? those quests play out i'm not so sure that they, they they seemed i saw a couple that kind of overlapped in terms of like oh you help this person's cousin they help this person's sister mm-hmm. or whatever i don't imagine they're all going to be i mean they're not going to be all handcrafted amazing quests i imagine they'll be fairly rote um sort of side missions but the idea that you then this character is then yours to pick uh, to chip to play as from a pool of of different characters i mean i doubt most people will be spending their time recruiting a massive pool of 100 characters and switching between them I assume you'd have like a pool of maybe 20 to 30 mm. that you just you know that you could just alternate between every now and then who knows though I'm not sure because I didn't get to see the side quest side of things that much play through like one side quest we broke into this hospital and nicked something it's so long ago now I don't even remember and I was so tired at the time <laughs> um, but if you read my preview on pcgamer.com or in the magazine you'll um, you'll you'll see much wiser words than I am able to convey now um, so yeah, what did you two think of the the reveal
1: of it? I thought it was exciting. I, I think mm. they did a good job of making London look exciting. So I was slightly worried, having been to London a lot. Like it's a, it's a big old grey place. Like it's very famous, but I, I wasn't wasn't sure that it'd be very very exciting as a video game kind mm. of uh, open world. But it turns out just putting loads of LED RGB lighting on it <laughs> is, is enough to uh, make it stand out a little bit.
0: Yeah, like a PC. Yeah. yeah. You just stick that on it. That's and, right. Yeah. Uh, then yeah. suddenly it's more exciting. Yeah. Uh, they definitely made Camden look very nice. That was. They let me kind of walk around the high street there, and they'd obviously um, specifically lit the different shop fronts to make them look distinctive. So Mm, you do feel like you're in this heightened version of London. Like you say, it's very grey and it doesn't have any of that. Uh, You know, it doesn't have RGB lighting, really. yeah, I was, I, I was, I was impressed by what they showed in the open world, and it's it's novel to be stepping into London, especially in that situation. Yeah, um, yeah, I will go to the Brexit side of things
1: a bit more than just tiring, and i just read about it. Also, my main uh, bones pick with it so far is the, the dreadful, dreadful accent of the first man. They showed it the, like the you popular, say like, dreadful, but do you not mean brilliant? I mean, he's great so much. Like he's it's, not it's, like, it's, like it's like a mockney. It's like yeah. it's the sort of mockney, extreme sort. of It's like a caricature of you know what a cocking sounds like
0: I thought some of the other voice actors in the demo were pretty good uh, but I've not actually seen this <laughs> I
2: think it's just them opening on yeah. like a scene of London and a man going "London." it's
0: <laughs> <That's laughs>
2: oh, like right. sure yeah we're a we're Ubisoft's version of Britain now yeah yeah, right.
0: yeah yeah I sort of um, uh, some of the other voice actors sounded more legit to me though yeah. they are from London it's yeah. sort of like um, you don't want to get into the Shenmue situation where <laughs> you are just recording in Toronto the most English sounding people you can find <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah they're, but no I don't think that would be too much of a problem and to be honest I think a bit of like novelty sort of Ubisoft nonsense no. would be quite good there for bringing bigger a bit of personality into the world like I yeah I don't want everyone to sound like I don't know uh, most people in London just sound like <laughs> I know they're, they're just <laughs> finished that
2: sentence <laughs> yeah. Well, just
0: they just sound like normal people. So right. if you yeah. if you put that in a game, maybe it is less uh, sort of like colourful and exciting than having an array of ludicrous accents that you know, Vinnie Jones kind of past these <laughs> yeah, and right, stuff right.
1: like that. that. also like if you I think what'll end up happening is if I if I get one of those from the pool and they've got that voice, I'll just jump in a river and get someone else. To- <laughs>
0: that sounds good yeah that's a good way of exercise. Just I hope that you don't get that voice actor from the character exactly,
1: again. yeah exactly right but it's the same yeah
0: but instead of a 30 year old man it's like a 65 year old man or <laughs> it's
2: the same voice yeah my score's gonna be entirely
0: people with that accent <laughs> I wasn't as like into those sort of like oh you can recruit a whole gang of grannies thing because I thought that will be fun once because yeah, I played yeah. as a granny at the start of the thing <laughs> and then never again um yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's like it, it,
2: tailor-made for like one article on a website yeah. about I recruited a squad of grannies and then...
0: <laughs> that's a good Chris Livingston article mm. and then we all meet
1: But by. no <laughs> no human will actually do it for proper. <laughs> I, I bet the game gives you a granny like, up front and I bet it must try. I bet you just leave her in the bank forever because she like, moves at half the speed of other characters. Like, uh, players are just going to pick the fastest, coolest character they can find. Yeah, how much
2: do the bonuses actually... Do you think affect your playstyle? Like, th- would there be a reason to you? Because, because they seem to suggest like granny type characters are better at drones or something.
0: <laughs> famously, famously, um, grannies like, good at robots. So, I, so I think I played as a character who had like. Actually, I think I tried to recruit them in at the game. I can't remember. Mm. I, I might as well not even give a <laughs> testimony there. I definitely saw someone who had like. Uh, was had a sort of sharp shooting background. They did something like uh, clay pigeon shooting or archery or something like that, mm. and they had like a pistol bonus for doing that, um, like accuracy, something like that. And um, so, I think they will be meaningful buffs. Um, mm. uh, and I, I was certainly like I saw enough in the open world that I was kind of impressed. And I think it kind of like it highlights when someone has a really good stat boost, so okay. you can sort of value the different NPCs accordingly. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think I think it will. As long as there's a lot of different sort of variable values there, um, I think that could be an interesting factor in deciding who you end up with. Sure, like
2: if there's a good reason to switch between people, like as you're playing a mission, and if that's kind of flagged easy enough. Because thinking about the ways I've played, say, Watchdogs 2, I don't think I played it in. You know, I focused in on a few core interactions that I enjoyed, like certain levels of stealth and hacking or whatever. So I don't know. it, It seems like there would be. I don't know, it would need to be a reason for you to go switching characters and mixing up your playstyle because that's it sounds good in theory, like, oh this is your punchy character and this is your shooty character and it's like, oh I'll just going play like this because I'm not that interesting.
0: Yeah, I sort of I sort of like want, want to be I've always wanted to be the guy who could do the Tom Francis Chris Livingston <laughs> thing of, Oh, look at this wacky build I've bought, and here's this amazing story I can tell with it and then in like all of my now playings, I think they're kind of about the fact that I want to do that but can't. Um, <laughs> and I'm just kind of wandering this like sort of in between state of wanting to tell a good story, but I don't think I quite see that in the game reflected in myself. If you know what I mean. Um, I guess it does. Boring, like, so.
2: yeah. I guess it does solve the Watchdogs two problem of like all the. The, the protagonist and all his friends being so sort of nice and chummy that it becomes super weird when they start machine gunning people down in the streets. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. you can just switch to the murder character. Kind of like the GTA Trevor thing. Like, yeah, just have a designated chaos
0: character that... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's true, actually. Trevor did feel like a, that. That did kind of work a little bit. I suppose I probably forgot by the end and had Franklin running people over when <laughs> it didn't seem like a thing he would do. mm yeah, um, I think that that probably is um, a good kind of answer to that. And hey, I mean, he has to uh, think about that because he invented the phrase narrative distance." <laughs> did, so that's it's, true. It's, it's you know he he knows he must answer for
1: it. He's, <laughs> he's also created the one game that is going to struggle the hardest not to <laughs> distance. it's <So Yeah. laughs> he's is. Hawking he, has cursed himself here. He's finally getting to ship a game. The poor man was lost inside Valve for yeah. years and years and years, and it's really cool that he's he's back.
0: Yeah, I got to. I sort of. I didn't. This wasn't an interview, but it was before the presentation. Uh, he introduced himself to me and mm-hmm. then just talked to, and asked him about that. What does it feel like to be doing this? He just sounded really, really happy to be doing it. <laughs> I thought, good for you. And also, I've listened to his um, is it Design Notes podcast about with mm-hmm. um, his his very in depth two part interview with Soren Johnson about mm-hmm. making Far Cry Two, and he seems a bit more self-aware than maybe the phrase narrative <laughs> business would have you believe right. um, so I don't think he's like I definitely don't characterize him as like the sort of pompous auteur yeah, and he was very very keen to underline like this is a group effort by lots of people yeah. um, so when I asked a question specifically about him he angled it back towards mm. all these people make this game and I was like well fair enough
1: yeah um, so he's, he's done a really good um, sort of walk and talk through uh, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory level with one of the other X level designers oh, nice. uh, it's really worth watching on YouTube and yeah it's just really good interesting insight into a classic stealth game I'd
0: love to know what he's making at LucasArts as well mm. like, uh, and Valve um, mm. yeah yeah um, Seemed like those just neither of those things worked out. LucasArts just like had that perpetual sort of limbo where nothing really got made, mm. apart from Force Unleashed games for about 10 years, <laughs> and then they just
1: shut, and that was it. Yeah, and Valve were in this perpetual limbo where they released nothing for years, and that, but they own Steam. Yes, yeah, we could release a game, but we <laughs> all, so. yes, yeah, and also,
2: lol, we did release a game,
0: it's yeah. Artifact, yeah, <laughs> or. Dota Auto Chess? Did they make that? Dota I Underlords. Know. Underlords. Dota, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I actually have not followed that side of things at all. But that's a good segue into yeah. what we, uh, what you're going to discuss, Tom. Yeah.
1: So Dota Underlords. Like the reason it's hard to follow is because it's really complicated. Uh, there's a, there's a mod called Dota Auto Chess mm-hmm. for Dota 2. Uh, and then Valve wanted to hire those modders to make their version, but those modders instead went to the Epic Game Store to make Auto Chess, which is a different game. Meanwhile, League of Legends also has their own version of it called Teamfight Tactics.
0: Oh, that's their version, is it? Yeah, I've really not followed this at all. Yeah, uh, yeah, it annoyed me. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's.
1: It is, I'm. I'm annoyed just talking about it. <laughs> just make one game. No, uh, Competition's is good. Um, it, it's a, a really kind of odd game. A game that lasts about forty five minutes, and you're sort of. Um, Between rounds, you're you're building a squad that goes and fights automatically against creep waves and other people's teams. And between rounds, you pick up more characters and you level up your kind of squad and get you know increase the size of the squad and that kind of stuff. Um, And if you get two of the same character, or three of the same character, even they merge into a bigger version of that character. And then if you get like another three or you know another six, they Mm. merge into their final form. So you can a big red guy called Axe who carries a big axe. You, you kind of want to keep gambling to get three axes so they merge into like a medium sized axe and then that way you build the power of your squad and you, you attach items to stuff and you know press go and watch the fight and then Taylor your squad a little bit, and that takes about forty-five minutes.
0: See, I thought uh, I was going to ask why do they initially call it chess, and then now I realise that that's why they stopped calling it that is because it's not it's chess. It's not at all.
1: Yeah, uh, it's uh, not at all chess.
2: I can't remember Pitt's original description about when she wrote about the Dota Auto Chess, but it was clear that the word chess was
1: meaningless. Yeah, yeah. totally. I mean, it, it happens on a grid. So when you place your uh, squad down, that's on a grid, and you sort of want to put your melee dudes up front, and you, you know, sneaky shooty dudes at the back, basically. Uh, so there's like a little bit of a tactical element to it, but honestly, uh, I've just been playing it on the iPad while watching trash television, and, that, and it's brilliant for that. Like, it it kind of implies that there's loads and loads of depth to the items and combinations. But honestly, like you could play it like patience, the card game, mm. and just sort of it's, it feels fairly random when you win, as opposed to when you lose. It just sort of doesn't work out, but it's still like an interesting journey to watch your little characters fighting and watch all the, the little scraps happen. It's also quite clever because it's like an indirect competitive game, so there are actually like eight or nine players in a game, um, but you're not, you're, because everything is done by AI, you're just basically pitting your AI team against their AI team, and you're sort of rotating the tournament until everyone's been knocked out except the winner, uh, which is a really clever way to structure a game uh, to avoid kind of direct conflict, and you know, if if you're the sort of player who doesn't enjoy like, you know, uh, shit popping up in chat and just people being rude or or whatever, like, this is very indirect way of having multiplayer which is mm. cool
3: mm.
1: alright that's cool I sort of like think it's, nothing is more PC gaming either than like
0: uh, an entire genre spawning out of a mod either right absolutely like it's, yeah, just, yeah. it's what it's all about and then Valve trying to hire them <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's, it's the weird of life on PC sure. yeah
0: and the modern element to that is Epic hiring the people <laughs> yes. with more money <laughs> yeah. presumably yeah, right. um, yeah. Oh, okay cool um, so you've uh, how many hours do you reckon you put into that now? Time
1: I've probably put about ten hours into it, that's just right. idly. Uh, and you know, it's basically it's going to be a brilliant game. You of know, Being on a long bus journey or a train journey or something, you just boot it up and you know, it's, it's, it passes time. Ah, that's cool.
0: Mm. Now maybe we should give that a go. I mean, I just the, the sort of like I guess the kind of moba element to it of like the imagery and all that stuff, and the, that's obviously where it came from. Mm. Maybe that sort of thing I shouldn't let put me off because it seems like it's such a. Mm. Aren't
1: they? Yeah, it's not uh, like because Mobis are hyper competitive and they're also difficult because they're extremely elite te- yes. team games. They've been around forever as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you, you, need to, like, you need to be good at the game to not let your teammates down and that kind of stuff. And Dota Watcher Chest is not about that at all. It's it's much easier, more easygoing game. Um, it is confusing if you don't know who the heroes are because there are dozens of them that are going to add more. And they've all got their own supers and they all do their own stuff. And it's very hard to pass what they each hero can actually do, right? Right. Short of uh, if you don't understand the game Dota at all. Uh, it's just chaos really
0: well I can look up who I played as in, uh, in, in the, our, the RPS, match. In RPS yeah, yeah. We,
1: we talk about that a lot don't we
0: uh, yeah well, not recently <laughs> Not I true I suppose but um, yeah I, I mean obviously I, I could have, I, I'm over it now but uh, at the time I was angry obviously mm. yeah, so, no it's fine now yeah
2: um, for, I mean for the sake of the team structure when Pip joined us we had to kind of put <laughs> it aside And it definitely
0: came up at least twice yes, yes. yeah yeah sure <laughs> it's not, that's not why she left yeah <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, you, what about you, Phil? Are you checking out that that kind of genre, subgenre, emerging subgenre? Uh,
2: I'm I, I'm not planning to. Is that because point. it's not a Yakuza game? Yeah. I mean, if it was Yakuza, <laughs> <you> know, uh, <laughs> tactic, <laughs> yes. If it awesome. was
1: a completely different game, I might play it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that'd be a brilliant! That data also suggests would make a brilliant mini game for a Yakuza game, where you just dropping gangsters into a, a, an alleyway and watching like, them mess oh, nice. each other up. Yakuza
2: Kiwami Two does have a sort of weird RTS style mini game thing where does it not work? Phil, you've got <laughs> to, you've got to buy different classes of goons and sort of send. Or well, in Yakuza Kiwami Two, you actually use them to defend a construction company run by Majima. Um, oh right, and it's not that it doesn't I mean, it it doesn't
0: not work <laughs> but <laughs> it's not great it's like real time strategy in consoles mm, No, just never never works, never will yeah, you it's, know, no matter what form it takes remember that phoenix mountain in Final Fantasy 7 where you're oh, just like oh
1: ridiculously slow units <laughs> up this mountain oh, it's so terrible. bad
0: and then like, you turn up to the fastest speed and it still moves really really <laughs> yeah. slowly yeah uh, yeah. Oh, yeah I forgot about that uh, yeah it's uh, not that bad or <laughs> well, Tom Clarence's end war Ruse was another one Mm. well I heard that was good Mm. Um, so yes good good okay cool Uh, so another E3 game then let's move to you Phil and I suppose me Um, Cyberpunk yeah let's talk Cyberpunk yeah so that's the big thing that I'm glad they didn't just show the demo like publicly Um, uh, so I think that they showed like a version of it on the show floor didn't they but Mm -hmm. no one's seen what it looks like a similar deal to last year uh, where there was that I think quite poor trailer until Keanu Reeves turns up that's obviously very <laughs> good but the rest of that trailer was kind of rubbish I thought I just I didn't really get a sense of why the game was interesting or why the world was cool it was just some like I don't w- even remember yeah, the trailer it's, it is, yeah. it's like a CG and I was in thing, the room a CG yeah. thing where it goes into like a room and then there's like a car chase and there's Buddy dies. Do you remember that? Yeah. That sounds like video. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Not Keanu stands like, like, oh, oh, like, oh shit! Yeah. It's, it's no one remembers the rest of that trailer. They just remember Keanu Reeves. It's just fair enough. Um, but yeah, um, but thankfully the game itself uh, mm. made a much stronger impression to me. Um, it yeah. was a very, I think, it was a, a very cool showing, um, and it. The, the key thing yeah. everyone's taking away from this... I've seen this take... Said, like, a bunch of times. It looks like a game you can play this year. Yeah. Whereas last year it didn't. Last year they're, like, fucking magic and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, it feels like the same game as last year, weirdly, but it looks like a thing you can actually play on the hardware you own. Hmm. Uh,
2: That's the thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> last year's demo... I spent, There were moments of last year's demo, which is online now. Like, you can watch that, can't you? Um, yeah, the but, whole thing is, yeah. Yeah, and, like, when they're coming out of... Um, her apartment into just sort of this tower block type thing and just seeing the shops built into it and all the NPCs moving and it was like holy shit this looks way more impressive than I was expecting and like yeah something that feels years and years off to the computer it was like okay I can put this out of my mind to an extent because I will not be playing this anytime soon and then yeah looking at it this year it's like oh, this is a really good Deus Ex yeah. and uh, yeah if, okay I could see it being released in April I mean
0: Yeah, I think it helped that the region they spotlighted in this demo was. uh, So, like last year, it was the kind of Night City sort of. It was
2: like proper packed. Downtown. District, uh, yeah, yeah. Loads of NPCs, high rises, stuff like that. Whereas this was like a failed tourist resort.
0: Abandoned resort, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of become a haven for like a Haitian kind of like community, Mm. basically, right? Yeah,
2: there's sort of these sort of slum areas have cropped up. And yeah, it, it feels kind of smaller and more communal um but also like more open in terms of its layout because it's not all skyscrapers it's like attractions and i
0: do like how it does look really nice though they kind of like these sort of half completed skyscrapers mm. very nice sort of skybox and um
2: the yeah. nice touches where you can see sort of the advertising where they're painting the vision for this place as in its completed form next to what is the actual landmark mm-hmm. as this just dilapidated piece of shit that never got finished
0: yeah 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 um and i um i i thought that also like it's massively depopulated compared to uh the city they showed last year like it doesn't have the same sort of magic of wow how are all these crowds on screen? Look, all this flying shit and stuff. it's looks kind of empty. I mean, I recall it being a bit more empty. Yeah,
2: I think um, there, there's a bit where they're sort of wandering through a market and stuff I remember feeling quite alive, but other than that, like, I mean, a lot of the focus was on an actual combat mission this time, yeah. like um, infiltrating uh, this mall, uh, again, that was never completed, um, who uh, a gang has taken over, and the... The gang you're trying to get something from uh, want you to remove them because they're in their turf.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, would f- I honestly struggle to follow the story too much. But um. it's
2: like, they pack a lot into a, like an hour long demo, and it is quite hard to sort of follow what's going on where. Like, I still have questions about how certain things work because um, there's just an element of that was a lot of exposition being processed when we're in there they sort of say you're not allowed to record anything you're not allowed to record audio you're not allowed to record video Mm. so I'm just fucking furiously typing thinking (laughs) I've got to get a cover feature out of this so I have to note everything down
0: see I have to write it up so I kind of just got to let it sort of sink in but Mm. the main thing I thought about while watching this demo was it was cool how they showed off they showed off the same demo in two different well, yes. the same area. How you can clear it in two different ways, which is like abandoned mall. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so there's like the shooter way where there's like, oh god, I don't remember at this point. Slow motion sort of stuff. Uh, that sounds right? right. It was like
2: it was. Um, I think character focused on strength, so there was lots of punching, and there was a bit where she ripped a. Turret
0: off its thing that and shot happened, some people. Yes, that happened, yes. Yeah, James wrote that down. in his very detailed term recollection of it. Yeah. 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 So that yeah, so you can take this kind of more brute force approach, but the far, by far, the more interesting approach was a stealthy one where
2: yeah, I mean, ripping turrets off is a thing I've done in video games. Mm. So like, but um, yeah, this sort of stealthy, hacky approach where um, they infiltrated into the. Like the, the terminology gets confusing because there's all sorts of like internet layers and things happening. They hack into some sub-network for the gang, and then suddenly they can like sabotage gym equipment. So there's like a training robot that someone's sparring with, and you can just hack it so that it punches the head straight off the dude. And, um, and it was
0: funny to watch for sure. But like you it, it, can
2: hack their electronic dumbbells to crush them to <laughs> death and stuff.
0: The thing I thought about watching that was like, how many sort of specific instances of this can you put in this game <laughs> yeah. without it being like massively? (laughs) It's a cool thing to show off in a a demo, but... Hmm. Does, do you reckon there's probably it's probably like one marquee specific hack per level, and the rest are like
2: possibly. I mean, maybe repeating. that is just one developer's job. Like for the last five years, has just been coming up with ridiculous ways to murder someone with hacks.
0: One's like a vending machine, one well, isn't it? You can sort of yes. have any. Well, yeah, them.
2: that was more standard like hack the vending machine, so it sort of flashes and, and causes guy, a, a distraction. Guy, okay.
0: That's what I expect the game will have mm. a lot more of. And the like... vending
2: machine eats him. <laughs> Actually, he just used uh, Brace this him with a this, <laughs> this nano thing to just slice him up into pieces. Right. So
0: it's like a lightsaber sort of like, I don't know, short blade thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. God, I barely remember now.
2: (laughs) It was just a glowing wire that sliced folks up and that you can also use to hack things from a distance, I think. I don't remember. And Tim didn't
0: like it. I think Tim said he didn't like the wire anyway.
2: Tim wasn't like wild about the combat in general, I think. Yeah. I mean, again, it does feel like an RPG more than it does like a straight out shooter. I could
0: not make that call just from watching it. I would need to play it. I I mean... That's just his destiny head on, I think, um, uh, which is, uh, which, hey, you know, he knows, he's played a lot of that game, um, mm. so maybe instinctively feels like he knows first person combat better than I do. But I thought it looked perfectly, perfectly enjoyable, uh, but particularly fun in stealth, I thought. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, there's a lot, you yeah, there, there are, uh, you could uh, later, You they hacked into the gang itself again via means that don't entirely make sense to me, and then, like, you can hack. Them and make them shoot themselves or do other gruesome things, and it got quite like, Whoa, this is a lot of ways to fuck somebody up!
0: Yeah, yeah, um, which you know, if you're a fan of immersive sim games, great, I mean, mm-hmm. it's gonna be a good time, I think. Um, yeah, so I was, I was, I was, pr- I was very impressed, I thought it was good, uh, mm. like, like we said in the um, in the web preview, like, uh, it does feel like Deus Ex an unlimited budget, you really feel the restraints of, um. Deus Ex having, like, just the one hub yeah. in um, yeah. in that last one. And it looks really nice, but, you're like, these guys had, like, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. They could make a real nice set of, like, three different ones or...
2: It feels like they had, yeah, the time and money to make a bunch of cool-looking districts and to really think through, like... abilities that you've got they're also doing some you know it's still a proper rpg as well more so than deus ex has been but they're um yeah
0: massive skill tree massive
2: skill trees and customization and clothing with stat buffs and things and like origin stories that will change the responses that you can pick with the suggestion that the responses are more than just like the hey i respond to you in a slightly different sassy way and it has no real effect. Like they say, some of these choices can actually have a big effect on how a mission will play out. Mm. And um, and you're not limited by one class by the sounds of things either. You can sort of take bits from each Mm. skill tree. Um, It's a lot to process, again. You sort of just browse through a few menus and it's like, there's no way I can remember what.
0: They've said they're releasing a PAX, is that right? Mm. PAX Prime. So, Mm. yeah, I mean, it will will be out there um, soon enough.
2: Yeah, and there's... um, Oh yeah, there's a the street cred system thing as well, which lets you buy specific augments and just lots of ways to, to customize and figure out what violent shit you want to do.
0: Yeah. It was a beautiful
2: and they have also said you don't have to kill anybody now as well.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, uh, so I think that yeah, I remember they doing that that the round Sounds yeah. like yeah, day
1: one of E three. Yeah, I was gonna say like it's weird that um this game looks so systemsy when um, Witcher Three's great strength was its quest design yeah. then the quest design of this looks a little bit I mean hard to pass because of the kind of cyberpunk setting perhaps but oh, I didn't fucking understand
0: any of it really like <laughs> all that stuff where uh, you sit in the ice and there's that woman sat in the ice and then Keanu's the saying shit and then you go into this cyber world or something I didn't fucking understand any of it really. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I think, this guy was sparking a million things a minute trying to explain it I was like I don't know what any of this is <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what these words mean I felt, yeah, I felt bad for the writers I had to write it up because I just mm. I didn't get it yeah yeah, I think it has
1: the weight of uh, being based on a pen and paper RPG and uh, created by Mike Pondsmith who's he's consulting on the world and that kind of stuff yeah but that, that like uh, an RPG handbook is just pure context law and um, I wonder how the game will deliver that to you in a, a way that you know it's I
0: think over a longer period of time all mm. of the stuff will probably and like uh, presented properly mm. all this stuff will be fine it's just in an hour long demo that's yeah. obviously set some way into the game it's just sort of stuck in there and you just have to it feels like some on fast forward so you mm. need to just take it all in at once um, but yeah I'm, I'm not too worried about that side of things and I really did love the um choice of location as well Mm. so it's like a beach resort wasn't it Mm. Uh, so just look even though it kind of like it is obviously the grimy future it looked really nice yeah yeah
2: it's cool I was out on the point of the quest design like so far we've seen a couple of like snippets of missions and things but we've not got a sense of what the side quests are like yet which Mm. I think is like that's the thing that seems to impress a lot of people with The Witcher like there are a couple of main quest stories as well that feed into side quests and just like the surprising turns that even bounty contracts and things in that game can take is I think what so hopefully like once we've seen a bit more of like how it works as an open world RPG yeah that'll, that'll be reassuring too
0: yeah I think so
3: Hey, this is Andy Kelly reporting live from Yorkshire, far to the north of the PC Gamer office. So, this month I did an interview I've always wanted to do with Harvey Smith, formerly of Ironstorm, um, now um, head designer, creative director of the Dishonored series for Arcane, Harvey worked on Deus Ex, which as any PC gamer reader will know is a game that we love to talk about and constantly replay every other year, Um, and it still holds up Deus Ex. Um, I played a good chunk of it this year actually. Uh, Last month I got as far as Hong Kong, Um, a good sort of 10 hours of the game and I'm amazed by how well it holds up even though with every passing year it gets uglier and uglier. And the opening level of Deus Ex is Liberty Island, which for me is one of the best opening gambits in a game, um, it really sets out in an entertaining way why Deus Ex and why the game to come is special, So sort of a massive open space. Dozens of ways to infiltrate the statue complex, objectives, optional objectives, reactivity, NPCs reacting to things you do, your play style. Um, it's still an incredibly dense, impressive uh, level. So I thought I'd interview Harvey, who I knew had um, worked on the bulk of that level, uh, about the making of that level. And you can read that in the next PC Gamer. It's a pretty in-depth feature about the story behind uh, the creation of Liberty Island, some of the design decisions that were made there, some of the things that were cut, um, and what it was like working for Ironstorm back in the day. Some really great anecdotes in there. Um, But I'll share one little nugget with you now, uh, dear podcast listeners. So something that was really interesting is that at the turn of the millennium when Deus Ex was being developed, game dev was very different. And, um, Harvey told me that these days, to get something in a game is a massive ordeal. To get a chair in a game involves passing things back and forward, concept art, documentation, sometimes dealing with external partners who will, you know, work on um, parts of the art that maybe the main team doesn't have time for. It's basically a whole big thing just to get some random object in a game, but... Um, what Harvey said that one day during the development of Deus Ex, and this was really interesting, is that he just sat in Unreal and, as in his words, Vertex manipulated um, a bunch of objects, props. So he made beds, lamps, tables, chairs, just all the sort of everyday mundane details that you take for granted. And then he put these props in a map called Furniture that the devs making the levels could then pluck stuff out of. And it's really interesting that because, you know, is not an artist. Um, but back then you could be more of a jack-of-all-trades. And he also talked about how he, over Christmas, once took a bunch of levels um, that weren't quite looking right and basically... Optimized them so the textures look better and stuff like that and came in after the holidays and said to Warren Spector the director I've changed all this can I put it in the game and and Warren Spector was like yeah sure and this you know This is a huge chunk of the game being redesigned by or at least tweaked heavily tweaked by one person over the Christmas holidays without You know now you'd have to get permission from probably producers and pass it up to the people upstairs and all kinds of things so so I think, yeah, part of Deus Ex's charm is that even though it was, at the time, a big-budget so-called AAA game, it still had a kind of scrappy development vibe to it. You know, it was almost like um, a sort of almost like people modding the game, you know, going in and, and hacking stuff in and jamming stuff out. And I, um, It's quite amazing that the game turned out the way it did and has such staying power considering it was kind of, from, it came from this slapdash off the cuff type of development and I think maybe that's part of his charm so yeah it was really interesting but if you want to hear more um, stories about Liberty Island and Deus Ex, more great anecdotes from Harvey about his time working in games at that at that point and check out the next issue of PC Gamer Um, it's a really interesting feature I think cheers
0: Right, so on the less reassuring side of E3, oh. uh, the Avengers, uh, oh, boy, Marvel's yeah. Avengers, as it's called. Uh, so this was a weird demo mm, um, because yeah. they did that reveal on stage at E3 that I don't know. You might think got a muted response, but I think it was mainly just from critics. If you look at like, the YouTube sort of upvote downvote ratio, it's not like Call of Duty where it got right, big time yeah. slammed. I think most people were most normal people were probably just quietly excited for it mm. but I think just when you have the context of I don't know ten, the last 10 years of action games and also the fact that it looks a bit like a, a slight knock off sort of version of the movie it versions does. of the characters mm-hmm. because they pick this colour palette that I think is, it all looks way too close to the film so mm-hmm. it sh- strikes up that comparison in your head um it just means it. It means it didn't make a very, very strong impact to me. Even though I'm well up for an Avengers game, yeah. and I thought that Crystal Dynamics paired with um, the uh, Idos Montreal um, might yield something quite cool, and maybe it still will. But this demo, this demo is very unimpressive. Uh, it's behind closed doors. They didn't allow us to take notes. Uh, <laughs> And, oh, oh no, oh, that was it. No, that you could take notes, but only on pen and paper. Ah, um, but no laptops. So parts. yeah, but they only mentioned that as the demo was starting, and it was like, oh, well, great. I'll just try and memorize all this. But <laughs> well, you could have told me this half an hour ago. And I could have done yeah. about it. Um, but yeah, that's not that's not that big a deal. It was it was mainly some straightforward action. It basically um, was set on the demo, set on the um, the day, a day, which is when uh, the story kind of starts. Basically, a bad thing happens to the Avengers. They get betrayed, and then a helicarrier goes down, and then the game jumps forward five years and you're putting the avengers back together and that's the premise of the game so this is not quite the first mission but it was early on um and it just cycles between the different characters so you start with thor and then you go into the different ones iron man you do black widow you do hulk you um and then captain america is a section on a helicarrier where you play as it we well, don't play as him because it was a hands-off demo but he was in the demo and um they were fighting these generic looking army guys these sort of swap sort of I don't know, guys in black armor mm. sort of, and goggles just being knocked around again and again, and um, in this sort of Archemy combat, but without any of the kind of like counter stuff. So it kind of just looked like you were sort of spamming them with these quite cool, very well animated looking abilities, but you didn't get a sense of why the combat was interesting. Mm. But what I really didn't get was they didn't show anything in the demo, at least I don't remember anything in the demo, where the Avengers really interact. I remember one bit in the Thor scene where Iron Man's off in the background, but arkham city sorry arkham knight has all those really cool like nightwing uh, robin batgirl kind of like combo move things yeah. um pretty good yeah and it didn't really show why it's interesting that the avengers are together in in a game in this world maybe it's too early on like mm. they've shown this very early it's like a year away from release basically um but it's they still it was still their big reveal and it wasn't very impressive to watch. It just looked like an action game, an OK action game. We happen to play as all these different characters. Yeah,
1: the thing is though, like the demo made it look like a, it was a linear thing, but apparently it's going to be like a service game, like a type of third-person Destiny type deal.
0: This was the other problem with the demo. They talked a lot about this, mm. but didn't show it. Um, mm. Which I guess I shouldn't be too harsh on them because, you know, they've got a long publicity cycle planned for this, and if they withheld details, people might just write it off as oh it's this 10 hour action game and then you kind of move on yeah but the way i understand it is there is a single player story that runs through everything and then there are these all these different side quests that spin off from the main story and that's where you kind of you play with buddies and they sound more like they'll have their own kind of story elements and authored elements to them but those are the things you primarily play with friends and in my head i'm trying to work out well what does that mission screen look like mm. i can't i can't mm. quite picture that um because yeah, it does sound like the though that that main story is just for one player. Right. Um, so yeah, there is you will be able to play with other with your friends, but the way they described it, I just couldn't quite grasp what they mean by it. And then yeah, there's a live service element where they'll add new environments and, and superheroes mm. and no additional cost and story content. And I I don't know what the economics of that are, but that seems absurdly ambitious. Um, so so we'll see I didn't want to be too harsh on it because it really did look a bit too early to be shown to me mm-hmm. um, and uh, also like while I while I couldn't take notes on my phone someone did record it and dump it on YouTube <laughs> at a very low frame rate of course and it was like well that's good isn't it <laughs> um, but yeah uh, then I think they're showing it at San Diego Comic Con this weekend as we're recording mm-hmm. uh, behind closed doors again but yeah I just it only disappoints because it feels like an Avengers game should be such a slam dunk especially by a developer's experience as Crystal Dynamics who yeah. have made you know cool games in the recent past um, but yeah I just I thought it blow me away and it didn't and I wasn't just there was no no part of it that looked amazing to me the Hulk probably had the best animations he was mm. sort of throwing dudes around uh, yeah in that sense like the way they've Sort of lovingly recreated the moves of the characters from the films. Like it, they, they are quite similar, and I think that is a good thing because you want to feel like you can do rain down some like mad lightning shits, Thor, and then yeah. you know uh, Tony Stark's sort of chest laser and little missiles and stuff. All that's in there. Um, so I can't fault them on that side of things. It's just, just the action didn't look very exciting, and it has QTEs in it. That's the Ooh, that was the thing. Yeah. Where, that was the thing where it really felt like a game from about like, ten years ago. Yeah. Like, it's like well those. I thought we're kind of phased out, I did ask Crystal Dynamics about it, Scott Amos, um, and he said that basically they're thinking about not not just hardcore gamers who play Dark Souls or whatever, but everyday people who will want to have those heightened moments of action. Mm -hmm. I sort of see his logic, but I don't think, I'm replaying Resident Evil 4 on the Switch at the moment, and even in that I'm really over the QTEs. I do them now and I'm like, well, I definitely liked these in 2005. But by the time the Force Unleashed came out in 2008, and you had to pull down that Star Destroyer and QTE, yeah. I was—I just—I don't think they had a place anymore. Like they, they sort of like, you know, it was a—it was a real short burn on the interest in QTEs <laughs> to me. And now they don't really have a place in games. No. Um, so yeah, I don't know. They're in a, a slightly weird position where I don't think I, I thought I'd be entirely convinced, but I'm not. Um, but yeah, I hope it—I hope it turns out well because game based on the Avengers that you can play with your friends should be amazing. You know.
1: Yeah, there are, it's developing service games is a nightmare. If like Destiny's anything to go by, like it's so hard to second guess what the community will want from the game mm. before it's been released, and then you have to sort of redevelop to catch up and change the game massively. And that's how Bungie has kept Destiny relevant. Um, it's hugely difficult, and people only have so much time for one of those games in their life. So it's pretty competitive out there with the division and other things like like that. Um, it's a different fantasy, obviously, but that that type of game seems to be very very hard to make and keep going yeah absolutely and, like, and, and are they all going to succeed as
0: well like I mean yeah. mm. The Division 2 sounds like it undersold a bit on consoles mm. um, they had high hopes for it um, I don't, I've no idea how well it or, or not well it has done but like it's definitely got a fierce community who really like it but they had to learn a lot of harsh lessons to get there yeah. as did Bungie like you say mm. um, so yeah I mean will they master this do they even have the kind of right sort of combat for that kind of game yeah, yeah. I don't know like yeah putting them in that space does maybe it does create too many expectations Um, and it is hard to connect the dots between what they showed at E3 and what that vision is so it's
2: hard to figure out based on what they said just like how much they're pushing that either like Mm. what is the update plan is it going to be that frequent as like a Destiny or a Division or
0: yeah well, hey, in better graphics news, it's not related to um, PC, but the Final Fantasy VII remake was really good. So, oh, yeah, yeah good. I played thirty minutes of that, and oh wait, no, about fifteen minutes that. It was really, really good. It was a yeah, very convincing translation. Beautiful, isn't it? As well,
3: mm. it's
2: it
0: was awesome. nice. I will tell you what, though, Cloud's hair looks way nicer in that E3 trailer than it did in the thing. There's lots of cross hatching on that hair, oh, lots yeah. of artifacts. Downgrade, oh, downgrade <laughs> on the hair. Hey, i not i I'm just saying that maybe the <laughs> aging PS4 can't do mm. anti-aliasing. Some sort of shading, yeah. Some on. kind of hair shit.
2: We've got, we've got Nvidia HairWorks on exactly. PC. Bring it over to us, get Square. Get it on a- right. it
0: did still look really nice though. Um So yeah, yeah. Um, I hope that they get Avengers back on track. But yeah, it, yeah. Ha- it could have won E3 quite easily, and mm. it doesn't feel like it did. Um,
1: yeah. So yeah. what's that kind of verdict on E3 this year compared to previous years? Um, I think there was a lot of.
2: I think there's a lot of good kind of yeah B tier games, interesting PC stuff. I think because we're still waiting for the new consoles to happen. Like the big bombast of E3 it just wasn't there really. It-
0: no, it was sort of. Um, I think that the conferences were perfectly fine, if like they if lacking in announcements. Mm. I felt like EA were pressured into doing pressured themselves into doing something, even though they really just should have shown off like that star wars demo without having an event and mm. then that would that would have been fine um but yeah even like you i think this year's e3 is summed up by that halo reveal at the end of the yeah, uh, xbox right. conference it's yeah. like here's a little slither of something we're not ready to talk about yet um, <laughs> yeah there
2: was a lot of that like bethesda as well with death and um Ghostwire tokyo yeah and stuff like things they're just not and um the Miyazaki game as well for Namco the Elden Elden Ring Ring. Elden Ring Ring. something like that there wasn't
0: even like a behind closed door demo for that or anything like that no no one uh, interview at E3 and that was it yeah It it it
2: was um yeah, so there's a lot of that, but then also, sort of around the sides, I was jumping into a lot of kind of interesting hands on stuff for things that will be out on PC within the next year. Mm. Like, I um, played a bunch of Desperados 3, oh, which yeah. is the next game from uh, the developers of Shadow Tactics, players of the Shogun. do
0: you mean Skull's the Shogun? <laughs>
2: no. Let's not bring that up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Inside joke.
2: <laughs> um, and that's uh, like, like Shadow Tactics. It, it, it plays. A lot like Shadow Tactics, like you all feel incredibly familiar if you've played that, but obviously, taking forward Desperado, or a prequel to Desperado, so it's set in the Wild West, and you've got gunslingers or knife slinger, I guess the main character is more. Um, And yeah, they, they've tightened up the sort of shadow mode where you can queue up actions to, and trigger them either simultaneously or now at different times. So you can sort of, they can have these more complicated um, set pieces that you've got to sneak through, mm-hmm. um, and you've got the space to sort of plan it out as a kind of turn based style thing saying, Order, queuing up orders and firing them off at different times. And you know, it's a good round of characters and that will be probably an excellent isometric style stealth game when it comes out.
0: Do they make the other two desperados? No. No, okay, right. No, no,
2: no, I think I think they got the license to make this based on the strength of Shallow Tactics uh, right. which was heavily inspired by Desperados. Yeah. Anyway, um, but also they're doing some sort of like there's they they've got a version of New Orleans and they're I didn't see what you do in the level but they just sort of showed me look, look at the size of this map and used a debug code to zoom out and see the full thing and it's, yeah, huge and bustling and really interesting and unlike, say, Shadow Tactics there are spaces in there where you can just wander around as a civilian yeah, cool. and just sort of, um, like a Hitman game try and overhear clues to help you do missions and stuff yeah. so there's a lot of cool stuff going on with that um, I played a game called Iron Harvest which is company of heroes like uh, but it's set in... It's set during... World War I? Yeah, World War One.
1: It, but there are yeah. mechs. Yeah, I interviewed them. And um, there are also heroes and pets and mm. things like that. So that, um, it, plays very much like, it looks a lot like Company of Heroes. It plays almost exactly like yeah. Company of Heroes. Like the UI system,
2: the green dots for cover, that right. sort of thing. It's all sort of directly...
1: Yeah. comes across. But then it's also got like walking mechs and mm. robots and uh, some very light-touch RPG stuff for the sounds of it. Uh, they've not really dug into that, but I interviewed them last year and it sounded fascinating. And, you know, we just need another company of heroes in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, mean, you know, I
2: played a bit of Skirmish and I had a good time with it. Like It yeah. seems like, like I said, they've, they've sort of replicated that and, you know, it's hard to say whether they'll get the exact balance and all the stuff that Community Periods did, right? Like Relics are really a long... A long running studio with mm-hmm. a lot of experience there um, but what they did looked good and they, they said they're focusing despite showing off the skirmish they said they're really focusing in on the story and all the things that you can do with an RTS campaign oh, so great. like yeah, that's yeah, that's going to be one to keep an eye on a genre, it's a genre that
0: needs a bit of a shot in the arm as well mm-hmm. it needs something really on the horizon
2: yeah. So, yeah. also saw Vampire Bloodlines 2 oh, yeah. Sorry, Vampire The Masquerade Bloodlines 2 whatever that game's Just called for SCO,
0: whatever it is yeah I'm
2: sure um that was hands-off, um, but I was able to sort of make choices, but I continually made bad choices, uh, not deliberately particularly, just like it was early and I wasn't necessarily picking the most sensible thing to get an interesting look at the game's sort of potential as a stealth game or a kind of be a cool vampire manipulating people type game. Uh, so I just ended up in a lot of fights, and it looks quite janky at the moment. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's... Again, it, it's doing that sort of RPG slash immersive sim type thing in a competent way. It seems like there seems to be like multiple out- outcomes for various quests. I um, sort I sort of, sort of realised watching it that there are enough of these games now that I'm still not sure. Like not not vampire games, but sort of games with branching missions where you can play in three or four different play styles. Uh, that it's hard to know why that one particularly is going to be great, um, but it does like have elements that feel faithful to the original game, and I mean, the reason that's still regarded as a classic is partly because of the faction system and you know the relationship you have with characters, and not so much the ways that you could craft how you play the game in the mission, but the ways like the outcomes would affect the overall story you were telling of your character, and so I mean, I didn't get to see any of that really because it was such a short demo, but if like that comes across, then I don't think people are going to mind if it's a bit sort of janky and rough around the edges. Um, because again, look at the first game; it was a mess.
1: Hmm.
0: Uh, what was the um, Brenda Romero game you saw as well? Oh,
2: Empire of Sin. Yeah. Um, so that um, weirdly that was announced at uh, Nintendo Direct as a sort of Switch slash PC game from Paradox. So I sort of I didn't really know much about it because I missed that. Uh, conference when I went into the meeting, and I just assumed, oh, it'll just be some casual strategy thing, fine. Um, but no, it seems like they're they're really pushing in uh, on the simulation of the world they're creating. It's set uh, during prohibition uh, in Chicago. Um, you pick one of fourteen characters, most of them based on um, gangsters from the time. Like in the demo, we picked Al Capone, of course. Um, and there are you, you basically just set up a headquarters, Arrive in the city, set up headquarters, and set to work taking over um, the Underworld from the various factions that have already got a slice of the city. You know, you set up breweries, you set up speakeasies, um, you, there is expo- XCOM style combat, so like one of the first things they did in the demo was go into um, a rival speakeasy, and clear out the guards and suddenly it's his speakeasy and you can upgrade it and then you start to hire staff there are things they're calling recruitable player characters um, which are I guess not NPCs but like just characters in the world um, with actual relationships with each other and um, traits really and isn't crisis, isn't it, it <laughs> does seem to be yeah. uh, maybe that's an article we should right. Uh, and um, Yeah, they've got uh, traits and things as well and uh, you can assign them to job roles and based on how you assign them and like the org chart of your underworld, um, those traits will bounce off each other and the relationships will clash and that can cause people to get pissed off at the state of your organisation or help things. they said like, okay, so one of the things you can do, the sort of thing where I was like, oh okay, this is still a Switch game, hey? Is when he sort of stood over one of the people that, take, that um injured and just blew their face off in what they're calling a visceral execution attack. <coughs> um...
0: Yeah, I know you mean about adult games on Switch. But mm. I was playing a Noir recently, though. And it still has. I guess that is true.
2: There's an element of what I consider a Nintendo game that isn't necessarily <laughs> reflected in all of the games they sell. But yeah, I
0: think they finally know they have to yeah. go beyond that to make money. But
2: yeah. Um, and so, if you do too many execution attacks, uh, attacks a carrot that character will get the cruel traits, which sounds like a very Crusader Kings two type thing, where the more you do a certain thing, the more likely you are to get negative status buffs. Um, although, being cruel, there are positive and negatives to that. If you keep doing execution attacks, they can become a serial killer. Uh, which, again, might have some positives, because it will scare the shit out of some people, but also probably won't go down well again, within your organisation.
0: Um, so there's lots
2: of like weird things within the simulation like that. Um, it's not just... Uh, it's, sort of, it's not just the other factions that are moving on the board um, and they can be plotting against you and trying to attack you and trying to find out where your HQ is while you move against them uh, but there's also city factions like the police and the FBI um, and if you start the fight a fight on the street um, this is how the demo ended like uh, a, a rival gang boss and Al Capone end up in a fight on the street and um, And if that had gone on too long, uh, in turn-based combat, every phase there is what's called a world turn, uh, where the world simulation moves as well. So, if like the police, which are marked, the, the 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 normal overworld is in real time again, like a paradox game, and you can see the police sort of moving around the city. And if like one of those during the world turn stumbles across you fighting, they'll get involved and stuff like that. So they've really thought about how the simulation moves and how it affects everything while you're playing, which like all seems quite positive. Like the extent to which there is enough to do to keep it interesting over different replays and stuff not sure yet like how it feels in depth but how wide it is as well I think remains to be seen but like I came out
1: feeling really impressed by that actually yeah Mm -hmm. cool yeah, it sounds, um, it's a really good setting. And mm. I think, so there's a series of games called Omerta, City of Gangsters. Yes. they've always been kind of 6 out of 10s, you know yeah. what I mean? So if, yeah, if, if they can produce something that's a bit more close to 8 or higher, then mm. that's a really cool setting.
2: Yeah, it feels very in that spirit. Mm, good.
1: Those
0: games probably haven't been around for a long time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. I think we're basically out of time then for this podcast. Um, sure. But, uh, yes, it's uh, it's good to, good to catch up on this stuff. And, uh, yes, E3, I would say, was... Like Phil says, just it lacked a bit of something this year, Mm. but next year will probably be vital for it. Yeah, how important it proves in the kind of console announcement plans. And of course, the consoles sort of shape what games people bring to those things, anyway. So, um, yeah, I think that a lot of games are probably being held back for sort of big announcements. If you're really into
2: big, high budget AAA type things, then Mm. yeah, next year will probably be the one where we get a much better idea of Mm. what.
1: The next few years of gaming are going to be like
0: yeah probably see what I know next gen Assassin's Creed looks like actually maybe mm. that will come a few years later but yeah
1: hoping for Horizon Zero Dawn too I really like that game
0: yeah should be good should be an interesting uh conference hopefully anyway for uh, for E3 sake but
2: that's a whole year off so. yes
0: and uh yeah that's uh, the end of the podcast but thank you very much for listening we'll be back. Very shortly, I hope, with the PC Gamer Top 100 commentary Unless, podcast.
2: Something goes terribly wrong.
0: I bring some. I might bring some sandwiches this time because last year I ran out of uh, energy before we got to the end. And I was <laughs> so it was hungry. Hours. We got to the top ten, and we raced through it in about five minutes. <laughs> so I needed a sandwich so badly. Uh, great, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.